Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you so very, very much for joining us today. This is a wonderful, wonderful episode today we're going to have with this wonderful friend of mine. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Allison Williams. She's a longtime R&B soul singer, entrepreneur, and radio personality. Allison unveils her latest release, the single Summer Nights in Harlem this week. Now, the veteran singer brings a jazzy, mature, grown folks vibe to Summer Nights in Harlem, as well as sweet sultriness to the accompanying flip side. The ballad is called The Romance of You. Now, this woman... My friend, Allison, she's also a uh, radio personality, and we're going to talk about that as well. She's on the uh, WHCR-FM radio station here in New York, and her show is called Love Notes with Allison Williams in the Chill Zone. Allison, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Uh, that's me, by the way. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Thank you, G. Keith. You know, um, I'm doing well, and I, I'm blessed to say that because right now we're dealing with so many different things, um, and it's a just it just feels good to be able to feel good. Uh, <laughs> and um, I got very excited when um, I saw my list of, um, of of interviews, shout out to Angela Ellerby and uh, Kevin Goins for, you know, helping me on this journey. And when I saw your name, I got real excited because I know you personally and, <laughs> and we have a history and I was glad. Um, and you had been telling me so much about Harlem America and I was very excited to see that, you know, it was up and running and that I could be a part of it. Well, it's so nice of you to say. I'm, I'm really uh, happy to to have you here today. There's so much I want to talk to you about because, you know, even though we, we, we've known each other for years and, um, uh, you know, I even remember sitting down with you to talk about a production that you wanted to do for women, that you wanted to, to um, have female artists mm -hmm. uh, produced and have shows around the country. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Most people know you for Yes We Can Can, Make You Mine Tonight, Sleep Talk, My Love Is So Raw, I Need Your Love, Just Call My Name, mm -hmm. uh, I Second That Emotion, Not On The Outside, She's Not Your Fool, Can't Have My Man, Just My Luck, Everybody Knew But Me. Wow, you know, those are a lot of songs. And, and I want to ask you, how did it all begin for you? Where did it start? Well, <clears throat> I guess uh, the recording part of it came a little later, but I, I was raised in a musical household. My father was a jazz trumpet player and he had a 21 piece swing band. So mm. I came up on jazz and swing music, whereas a lot of my counterparts uh, or colleagues rather came up in, in, in the church. You know, you hear singers say, oh, I was in church and I didn't, that wasn't it. Um, I, um, we, I came up on the bandstand. I came up you know, in the rehearsal halls and, wow. and, and out on the gigs. Um, and he had great players in his in his band that would go out and play with the Duke Ellington Orchestra and play with the Count Basie Orchestra. And they had it, they always knew they had a chair when they came back home. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible band um, with, uh, with incredible players. And um, that's what I grew up, you know, uh, hearing and, and the music that I loved and played and I would go through my parents' record uh, collection and listen to Dakota State and and, and um, Billy Eckstein and Joe Williams and Carmen McRae, Nancy Wilson and um, we there was other music being played but I, I really didn't discover like an R&B voice in my soul until much later in you know like grade school almost you know and gospel even later than that and, really you know to really to really know it and be able to say oh that's such and such and, and recognize their voices and their stylings and stuff like that so um I, I i was in college i had been working i had been doing local gigs it was a group called new rose it was myself fran jay lisa fisher we had a group together mm -hmm. and we were gigging around and doing the little chitlin circuit and working uptown in harlem and every place and um, i ran into curtis blow one day 
And Curtis and I got to talking and we realized we had some things in common. And he did not realize that he had a grown and sexy audience that got his music and really dug him. So I began to take Curtis to the cellar and McKell's and I Sweetwater. The cellar. Yeah, I right. And places. he would take me to the disco fever. <laughs> um, and that led to us going into the studio and I became his hook girl. So I began, I was the hook girl and his contractor and songs like, they're playing basketball, all of that. That was and, you? Yes, I'm basketball. I'm If really? I rule the world, I'm all of wow. that. I'm AJ Scratch. I'm Fat Boys. I'm Fat Boys. I'm back. I, I'm back. I'm rapping Rondi Dangerfield. I'm it's, all of that. Wow. All of that early rap music that laid the foundation and changed the game. I'm singing the hooks on those songs. I had no idea, Alice. Uh, mostly myself and Audrey Willis. I know, and you've known me forever. But sure. that's, that's how it started. And then I ended up being with the group um, High Fashion, which was myself, Lisa Fisher. I'm sorry, myself, Melissa Morgan, and mm -hmm. a brother out of Detroit named Eric McClintock. And um, that was the group on Capitol. Right around then with... Um, you know, that's when uh, Curtis had introduced me to Russell Simmons and Russell was managing Curtis. So, like I said, it was just a, 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 a about a handful of us, Larry Smith, Russell Simmons, Curtis, myself. And we were making records and, 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 and coming out of the studio and taking the test press down to the Diplomat Hotel where the <laughs> DJ would be doing a big party and we'd throw it on. And if it went, it went. You know what I mean? We, that's how we did it. It was very grassroots, you know kind of thing that we were doing. And then after I got with High Fashion, that led me to start working with people like Melba Moore and producers like Kashif and Paul Lawrence and M. Tume and, um, and Reggie. And I was doing things with uh, Evelyn Champagne King, singing background for her and Bobby I Brown. I didn't know and that. All of the, yeah, all of this, this background work. I was interning for the Commodores uh, with Benny Ashburn. Benny was um, a good guy. Oh, man, he's the best. And yeah. I'd say about two weeks prior to his passing, he had uh, dis discovered what I really did. It was like the girl who's answering his phones could really sing. And he was taking over my management, and then that just never happened. It was a real dark time. But yeah, I, 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 I came through it. I came through it and continued to uh, to uh, to thrive, uh, doing um, like I said the the the, back, the studio stuff and the live stuff. Um, there were so many clubs back in the day that you could work. You could do like five and six track dates a night, mm. just in New York alone. You know, that's right. And we were and we were working really good. Um, and that's when Russell was developing the label. I said I need to be on Capitol for a minute, but I'm coming right back. And he said, "Do what you got to do." I'm glad I did it. Uh, the high fashion thing was about two years in its run. And then by that time, it was 1986 and um, 85, I think, 86. At any rate, Russell put me over on on profile for the Yes We Can Can record just to have a single and have some buzz, which was a really good thing. Worked with Jelly Bean, Jelly Bean Benitez and uh, a lot of I good people. Him. Yeah. And then it was time to be on Def Jam. Um, Orange Juice Jones, Chuck Stanley, and Tayshawn were my three male counterparts. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had been signed prior to me um, in terms of who was going to go into the studio and get this, their, their stuff started. And they had started. So I was kind of sitting around and um, trying to find things to do, um, I, I, you know, bite, chomping at the bit, as it were, to get into the studio. And it finally happened. Um, while I was waiting, I made myself a road manager for Orange Juice Jones, who had a runaway hit. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like... Oh, yeah. What, what was the name of his the hit? The Rain. The Rain. That's I right. I saw you walking in the rain. That's and right. They, and these, let me just understand, these kids had no clue. You know, I've been with Dance Theater of Harlem by this time. I had a career as a dancer. I've, I've been doing theater. So I, I had a, a different kind of... I brought something else to the table in terms of how to develop an artist and what would be expected of you once you have this notoriety and his hit record and how mm -hmm. you go about doing what you need to do. And my concern was that they were going to rip their tail so hard that by the time I came out of the gate, no one would want to deal with the drama because they had already said at one point, oh, rap is not going to Rap is going away, you know. Oh, well, they were wrong about that. Not only did it stick around, but it, it shifted the culture. And well, so let me now, 
Russell wanted to do the R&B thing and they were looking at him like, ah, man, come on, you did the rap. What do you know about R&B? Ah, but he had artists that delivered. So they had to take him seriously. But we had no one at the label who understood the R&B realm. We had rappers who had their cousin and they, uh, Pookie out on the road. Pookie's on probation. <laughs> Why is Pookie on the road with you? You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of, I didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted to kind of pave the way for what was coming for myself and the other R&B artists that we had. So I did that. Well, okay. Well, two things. One of which is they came to me. Uh, I was a... I was a DJ at Disco 92 WKTU. WKTU. Yeah. And, and, and Fox TV came to me and they wanted to interview me about what I thought about rap music. If I oh. thought it was going to be around for a while. And I, I told the guy, I said, you know, it's just a fad. It, you know, because I, <laughs> I had been, I, I, you know, because I had come from R&B radio and jazz radio. And, and that's pretty much what I knew. And I said, ah. It's just a fad. It won't be around long. Well, little did I know. <laughs> now it has become mainstream, you know. Uh, so anyway, the other thing is that now I know why you are called the first lady of Def Jam. Mm -hmm. Because of your history of uh, being the, were you the first R&B singer that they had? I was their first R&B singer. I was their first uh, female R&B singer. Like I said, my other counterparts were Orange Juice Jones, Tayshawn, and Chuck Stanley, but mm -hmm. they didn't have a female vocalist, and I was she. And um, and we were there from the very beginning, you know. We like, you know, we chose the colors for the for the uh, for everything, you know, the the for the for the company and the logo and how it was gonna look with the turntable on the disc, you know. And and it, it, you know, we laid the cornerstones. Do you know what I'm saying? Before there was a brick and mortar building, we were in the trenches making, uh, you know, Def Jam stand up straight. And uh, so, tell me an interesting story from that time. Something that uh, your, your audience uh, would like to know about you. Oh, there are so many. Um, good gravy. Where do we start? Interesting story. Interesting story. Um, I, you know, it, it's too. I can't. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know where to start. There are so many stories. I can tell you this: Russell yeah. believed in me so much mm -hmm. that um, we would go out, and you know, we, he would take take me places. And his thing was, he, you know, he didn't really know how am I going to promote this singer. What do I really know about promoting a singer? And Allison's been doing her thing. She works in clubs. She's done theater. So we would go out, and Russell would take me in the middle of the floor. It could be a restaurant or a party or wherever, and he'd hold my hand up in the, in the sky like 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 I was a prize fighter. And he's like, <laughs> "This is the next thing. You got to hear her." And then then proceed to go get a chair or something. And I would stand up on a chair <laughs> and maybe sing happy birthday to somebody that, that, you know, that needed to be sung to in the middle of wherever it was. He just shut the whole thing down. Allison Williams, y'all need to, you know, and that was, and I always, wow. I was his, I was, I was his champion, you know, I was his, his heavyweight. And uh, that's how, that's how we used to go, uh, go about it. <laughs> well, when we come back, because uh, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I want to hear how you uh, hooked up with uh, Maurice Lynch and, uh, and how all of this wonderful music has come about. But uh, we've got about a minute, and I just want to let folks know that they can find What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander on Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, just to name a few. So, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll be uh, right back uh, with uh, the wonderful, fantastic, beautiful, talented, my friend, Allison Williams. Don't go away. Harlem, Harlem, America. Harlem. Harlem is my town. Where Chase is advancing Black Pathways. They're afraid of me when I jog. They're afraid of me when I drive. They're afraid of me. They're afraid of me. They're afraid of us when we kneel. 
But they're even more afraid. But they're even more afraid. But they're even more afraid when we own our own businesses. When we build. When we support each other. When we vote. When we vote. When we vote. If black men vote at the rate we did in 2012, we can change the election. Defend. Defend. Defend the black vote. For more information, go to defendtheblackvote.org. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them. They subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Kevin. I want to say thank you very much to all the folks around the country uh, who are listening, but also we find that uh, our analytics show that we've got people in Ireland, China, Russia, Canada, the Netherlands, France, and Germany listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. So I want to say thank you all very, very much. And please share the information, tell a friend, okay? So, uh, Allison, now you are... Let's see. You're, you've released Summer Nights in Harlem, and you've got this wonderful, wonderful producer uh, and uh, writer. His name is Maurice Lynch. How did this marriage come about? Uh, to tell you the truth, it's the funniest thing, G. Keith. <laughs> I was performing at one of my local, uh, local gigs in New York. You know, you always have to have to keep a local going. Mm-hmm. And uh, in New York, you can do that. So I'm working at this club. This gentleman comes in and he, he c- comes to me in a break and he says, you know, my cousin, uh, Mike Lynch, he's the stage manager. And I said, yeah, I've worked with several plays with Mike uh, across the country for years. He says, well, I have, um, I have some music that I'm about to produce for a show. I have a gospel review, um, but, um, uh, and, and all my singers are great, but I'm about to do a Harlem Renaissance review. And my cousin said, if I need somebody that sings jazz, I need to find Allison Williams. So I came to find you. And I said, okay. So he lets me hear the music and I fell in love with these two songs. Um, and uh, actually, uh, Summer Nights came first. And... Um, I said, okay, listen, I'd love to do your review. I'd love to be in the show. I'd love to sing the songs. Let's do it. But you must allow me to record these songs as my own. I want them to have another life on another platform um, as, a, as my next release. I've been looking to go back to my jazz roots, and this is the music I want to go, go, go with. And so we came to an agreement. And um, I came in as a co-producer. Uh, he's handled the music and the writing uh, of the songs as, 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 as they are. And um, I brought the personnel. So I was able to call on, um, I, I realized that jazz has its way. Mm-hmm. And I knew that um, they would be looking at, um, I mean, me having other hits in the charts on the R&B side wasn't going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. I needed to prove myself on, you know, on a couple other levels. So I called Christian McBride and Christian Sands, wow. Ulysses Owens, Ron Blake, uh, uh, Kirk Whalem, Ray mm-hmm. Chu, Solomon mm-hmm. Hicks, Greg Sneed, uh, some great singers, Dawn Tolman and Ty Stevens. And, and These are all top shelf people. All of them. Uh, no, I mean, they, they build the shelves. These are the people <laughs> that build the shelves. In fact, Ray Chu is the uh, musical director for what, Dancing, Dancing with the, the Stars. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and at the Apollo Theater. He's been the mm-hmm. musical director there because yeah, I've, I've worked with him many times there and at Carnegie Hall. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's doing it all. I think he's also behind that show, um, I Can See Your Voice. Oh, really? There's a spinoff of The Masked Singer, and he's, I think he's doing that, too. He's doing the most, and he's got an incredible um, um, mentorship program for young people called uh, Power to Inspire. That's and right. And so he's... He and, he and, he and Vivian. He and Viv. Him, he and yeah. his, the power couple, Viv and Ray. So Ray did all those orchestrations that you hear on the song, all those lush strings and horn oh, parts. Beautiful. He did all of that and a really great solo on the um, on the romance of you. And we've known each other since forever. We're family. He's been my musical director uh, in, in the early years, you know, when I first mm -hmm. was going out touring with the first album and what have you uh, on Def Jam. So, um, you know, when I went to him and told him what I wanted, you know, I wanted to have have that feel, have that sound that 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 resonates. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, and he gave it to me. So that's how I got the music, and um, like I said, we worked on it uh, and, and, and took our time to, uh, to do it, you know, as an independent. When you don't have a label, you have to take it in, in bits and pieces to get, you know, mm -hmm. to get everything and get it right. Um, mm -hmm. So we thought we'd, like, like I was telling you before we came on, on to the air, um, we thought we'd uh, release in August. Because uh, we really wanted to get the summer nights in Harlem, and we were going right. to have a Harlem venue and have a great night and a big party, and and then COVID said, "Nope, not going to happen like that." <laughs> but you can't steal our joy or our time or our music. So here we are, well, just well, in time for the holidays. Just in time for the holidays. So how can people find summer nights in Harlem? Summer Nights in Harlem and The Romance of You are available on all the music platforms, uh, Amazon, Spotify, um, all the streaming and download um, uh, platforms. And um, we, I just, you know, it's, it's been devastating what, this, uh, what the pandemic has done to artists um, because we have no way to perform uh, uh, with the exception of virtually. So, uh, you know, all the things that we can, that you can do to support live music and mm -hmm. buy the music and so on and so forth we'd appreciate it we appreciate it so please go out and get the music and make a perfect stocking stuffer <laughs> <laughs> now uh you've done a little more with maurice lynch you you guys have gone on tour you guys even performed in russia i was just about to say when you were saying that you know you have listeners hello to the listeners in russia because we went over and did wonderful music halls over there they received us so well with the uh, with the um, Harlem Harlem music musical review, it was great, really great. I I have seen it. Um, I have a copy of the promo for it, mm -hmm. and we're. I told Marvin. I'm mean, I'm sorry, Maurice, that <clears throat> I'm going to put it on Harlem America's website at some point. We're going to have it up there so people can just kind of get a flavor of what you guys do. I mean, it, it's really a classy show and uh, the costuming is great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, got a little frog in my throat. And, um, but, and so I was really happy to see that you and Maurice and uh, I forget who, who some of the other folks that. Uh, uh, Don Tallman, like I said, we keep Don everywhere. Don Tallman and Maurice and myself and uh, AJ Swindell, who also uh, helped produce the, the CD. He was our, our musical accompanist. And, um, you know, it's, and, and thank you. Let me just say that. I know Maurice would want to thank you once again. You know, you, you talked about the promo in the trailer. G. Keith, you did a wonderful job uh, doing our, our voice over for that um oh, so when you. when people when the people come to Harlem america and see the trailer they'll be listening to that golden throat of yours <laughs> well thank you very very much thank you so what else is on the horizon for you oh it's really like i said you know it just feels good to be able to feel good because we've gone through so much um we're still going through a turbulent time it's just that i think we to me it feels like We've been going through it so long till now it's become a little less, no, it's as stressful as, as it ever was, but we're dealing with it differently now because this is what it is. And we've come to terms with this is what it is. We, got, we have to stop figuring, we have to stop, I, I guess, feeling like, oh my God, oh my God, to, oh, come on now, let's get through it. You know what I'm saying? We know what to do. We know what we know how to follow the protocols. We know what to do. So, you know, uh, I'm glad to have happy stories or, or happy things happening. I'm celebrating 30 years of Just Call My Name. 
wow. um, when, when, when December 31st comes, that will be, we have, we will have uh, just, you know, released 30 years ago. Who knows where the time went. Was that your biggest hit? Just call my name pretty much so. Yeah, I, I, it was the, the one that went furthest on the charts. I think it was number three on Billboard, 67 weeks on the top 100. Um, so that was the biggest song. Um, but all of, you know, we had five top five uh, songs, mm-hmm. five, four songs in the top five for the first album and five songs in the top 10 or something like that for the second. It was, it's just, it was good. Um, so 30 years of Just Call My Name, uh, five years on the air, as a radio uh, um, personality for WHCR, um, and I've just been inducted into the Soul Music yeah, Hall of um, Fame. Really? Yeah, that happened two days ago. Wait a minute. You're in the Soul Music Hall of Fame? That's yes. beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you to David Nathan for nominating me. Oh, David's um, a great guy. Yeah. So that's his groove. And he had me in a category for best female. And I was up against Stacey Ladisaw and Jennifer Holiday. Really? And, uh, and, the, and they, they voted and I, and I won. Funny you should mention Stacey Ladisaw because uh, I just posted a, a photo of myself, Stacey Ladisaw, and uh, Natalie uh, Dexter. Uh, and it's on Facebook. We just posted it um, about two days ago. Wow. Yeah. So we're in the universe. The universe, that's how the universe does. Well, well, well that, that, that's fantastic. So now uh, we're, we're going to talk about uh, how your radio career got started uh, because now, you know, you crossed over into my bailiwick. I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, tell me, how did that come about? Well, you know, when I've, when, um, how can I put it? When I started, um, I always wanted to do communications. I went to school on a, sco- on a dance scholarship. I went to Marymount Manhattan College, and they had <laughs> communications, but they had communications journalism. And, you know, Jiki, when you're young, you don't realize you might not get exactly what you think you're going to get. Um, and so I was a little dismayed with the journalism because it sounded like hard work. <laughs> you know, and it, and it didn't have anything to do with, with radio or television and, and what I envisioned communications was going to be. But I followed that track for a minute. Um, I had a wonderful professor who understood that I was having problems, uh, you know, with the whole thing of communications journalism. And he would let me come to class. Well, he, when I would come to class. The thing he said, I, I know I know, I got to do something to get you, to keep you engaged. So I would do my assignments. At the end of every class, he would turn off the lights and put up the shades, and I would sing to the class. Oh, really? <laughs> and they would, be, they, would, they would do requests, and that, we'd do that for 20 minutes or something. So, you know, I mean, he just needed to make sure I got in. And um, uh, the, the dance situation was going good until the only African-American instructor there decided that she wanted to go back on the road with Alvin Ailey. And so, therefore, I was devastated. Really? So I left there um, and I went to City College and that's where I finished out. Um, but the but the but the radio thing kept coming back because when they would send me out, you know, you always have to go do, do press. just like I'm doing now mm-hmm. with the radio stations. And when I was doing the plays, we always had to get into town on Monday and go to radio. So that everybody in the city would know that we were there and, and going to do the play. I would not allow them to just let me sit here and, and answer questions. I had to read some copy. I wanted to do the weather. I wanted to read a, a public <laughs> service announcement. And it turned into this thing where, um, especially with the plays, we would come in on Monday and by midweek, the program director would be calling me saying, are you still in town or can, do you have any time? Can you get up and do the early, I've, I've, I've subbed for Tom Joyner, I've subbed for Doug Banks. Really? I've worked with Kathy Hughes and her and some of her um, uh, on-air personalities in D.C. And um, I had a little gig out in, in L.A. for a minute at a station. So I always wanted to, cont- to, to keep it going. Um, because I just felt that I could, it was something I liked. I liked this thing that it is. This, this, it's, it's something about, um, it's, you know, because this is what you do and you've, you're a veteran of it. Um, I was just happy to be able to have those, those opportunities. And then I guess in, a, in 2016, Jean Parnell, my auntie Jean, who mm-hmm. we love. She's wonderful. She's incredible. And uh, she, she came to me and she says, Elsa, do you think you'd like to have your own show? Mm-hmm. And I said, would I? And she said, well, 
give me a day or two. I got to check into something because I think there's some slots they're trying to fill up at WHCR. And I had mm-hmm. thought about ACR in the past, but I didn't know what the protocol was to get involved. And I guess I just didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't follow up on it. You know, it was something in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I met with Angela Harden, have, you know, a shout out to the HCR family. And right. um, she said, Allison, we'd love to have you here. And this is what we can offer. And this is what you can do. And I was like, for real, for real. <laughs> and that's how it started um, back in 2015. Um, my first guest was Freddie Jackson. Mm-hmm. And we've been going ever since. Fantastic. So you've had Freddie Jackson, who's a great guy. Who else? Mm-hmm. I've had Freddie Jackson. I've had um, I've had Mary Wilson. I've had Valerie Simpson. Mm-hmm. I've had Nancy Wilson. I've had Shaka Khan. I've had Regina Bell. I've had uh, Manhattan Transfer. I've had um, my cousin, who was the first African-American French hornist signed to the uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic. And he had written a book when he retired a couple of years back called The Black Horn. So I've had everything from Curtis Blow, rapper, to people, uh, to, uh, 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 you know, musicians from, the, uh, from a Philharmonic orchestra. I've had um, political figures. I've had athletes, um, civic, you know, uh, community activists and, 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 uh, and dietitians and health gurus and just, you know, up and coming artists as well as the veterans. So it, 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 as you know, when you have that, that opportunity, that platform, that microphone, it, it allows you to be able to do a host of things um, and, and to shine a light and, and, and give information and, 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 and start conversations. And I, I love it. Well, not only that, but you, you also are, are helping people to move their projects forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, so it, it, it's a wonderful platform to have. Uh, I, I noticed that uh, last night you were hosting Nick and Val's uh, Sugar Bar mm-hmm. uh, last night. How did that go? That went wonderful. You know, that's one of the things, another, another success story out of 2020, all of our gigs were canceled. The sugar bar, Valerie Simpson, in her wonderful fabulousness, decided that, you know, the sugar bar is something we've been doing for over 20 years on a Thursday night. Mm -hmm, And we don't know mm -hmm. where the time went. It's just one day we looked up and we had a cake and it was like, we've been doing it a long time. (laughs) It's a wonderful wonderful intimate spot. And I love the food. The food is great. You and, never and know who's going to come. You never know, especially on on Thursday nights when, uh, you know, you have the, the uh, mic night, mm-hmm. uh, open mic. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the thing is, is that we, we realized, well, Valerie realized that in the, in the height of COVID, we needed the music. We needed something that we could hold on to, something we could, something familiar that could, we could wrap ourselves in. So she brought it back on the uh, virtual platform and we do it across Zoom and it's seen live on Facebook Live every Thursday at eight o'clock. And she has a, a few of us that host that were that were hosts when we were in the club, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in olden days of g- gone by. <laughs> Uh, in real time um so you know uh, she she's brought us back and that's a paid gig do you know what i'm saying oh, it so, is? It, yes i mean for, for for the host oh okay. the open gotcha. mic is as it was you know um with the exception of having to pay a cover charge you don't pay mm-hmm. to get in mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's a paid gig and 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 one of the few uh the only other thing that came back for me was uh jazzmobile Mm-hmm. Um, for years, I've been hosting their Great Jazz on the Great Hill, which is a big summer concert they do. And we were able to get a special ordinance from the uh, city of New York to go into the park and film it. With Robin Bell. Hum? With Robin yeah, with Bell. Yeah, with Robin Bell, yes. Mm-hmm. Robin Bell Stevens. And we went in and we filmed it um, without an audience. And uh, so that, that was another, you know, uh, income stream that came back. I also did something wonderful with the Queens Public Library nice. um, in a virtual setting uh, through mm-hmm. through a, a, a Facebook Live. So, you know, it's been difficult trying to figure out ways to make it happen. But what we know is that it can happen and it must happen. It must happen. Without a doubt. And uh, Ray Chu and his lovely wife, Vivian, they were doing something to uh, support artists as well. They had a fundraiser, at, uh, I believe it was a couple of months ago, to yeah. help support uh, artists who, who, who couldn't uh, 
they um they living. set up something that was specifically for the get for the working musicians that gig night after night in clubs and so on and so forth and they went through the local 802 platform and the AF AF of M um I chair I sit on a, uh, on the uh, on a on the um on a foundation uh, chair um for um I love my artist foundation. And if people want to look that up, mm-hmm, they can go mm-hmm. to I love my artist foundation It's set to get set up by artists for artists. We try to provide, um, you know, work and what have you. But what we realized was that there's a lot of artists out here who are good at being professional artists and musicians, but they're not good at the other stuff like balancing your checkbook or making sure you've right. got good health insurance or knowing where to go for good legal advice. So we have people on our board um, that, that, and these are their, you know, their walks of life. Uh, and so they are able to offer these services at little and sometimes no cost. And um, we're doing master classes yep. and so everything like across little, uh, the board. Uh, Allison, we, we have to take a break now. And I just want okay. to get this in real quick. Uh, Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce continues to work tirelessly through the pandemic experience in concert with our medical, education, business, banking, elected officials, nonprofits, and individual partners to provide much needed services. To support those most severely impacted by the pandemic, social inequalities, systemic racism, and economic challenges, the Greater Harlem Chamber of Commerce has created a GoFundMe campaign, Support Harlem Now, assisting our senior citizens, children, students, small businesses, food banks, the homeless, arts and culture, not-for-profits, and many families in need. For more information, contact greaterharlemchamber.com, greaterharlemchamber.com. And we'll be right back with uh, my friend, Allison Williams. Don't go away. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem, America. They're afraid of me when I jog. They're afraid of me when I drive. They're afraid of me. They're afraid of me. They're afraid of us when we kneel. But they're even more afraid. But they're even more afraid. But they're even more afraid when we own our own businesses. When we build. When we support each other. When we vote. When we vote. When we vote. If black men vote at the rate we did in 2012, we could change the election. Defend. Defend. Defend the black vote. For more information, go to defendtheblackvote.org. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business, making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you for joining us uh, again. We're here with uh, the lovely uh, Allison Williams. Allison, you are... From Harlem, actually, right? Born and raised. And tell me about some of your experiences here in Harlem. You know, you remember the song Native New Yorker? Yes. That's how it feels like to me. You know, jumping in and out of cabs, uptown, downtown, 
in you know all around you know no matter where you went you're from Harlem no matter what borough you go to you got a special kind of thing going on you know a vibe that people you know kind of treat you a certain kind of way because you're from Harlem um I grew up like I said um going uh, on my on the gigs with my dad and mm-hmm. um, they were all over the place but many of them were in Harlem when we had all those venues that you could go to and see live music you know I can remember going to Smalls and going to uh the Cotton Club um uh when they really were rolling uh the Savoy Manor Ballroom the Renaissance Ballroom uh, they had all kind of, like I said clubs they had Jock's Place the Mark Four the Blue Book uh St St Nick Pub they had we had after hour spots that were just as fly as the as the, as the regular <laughs> club and and they were full you know what I'm saying? Full to capacity at five in the morning. So <laughs> I heard about it. I heard about it. You heard about it. Huh? I heard about so, it. Heard so you actually saw Harlem and experienced Harlem in its heyday when, it, when all the clubs uh, were, were jumping and popping. And uh, your, your, your dad, uh, he was a trumpeter. Band leader, yes. trumpeter, mm-hmm. Bobby yeah. Booker. Bobby, Bobby Booker. Booker. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because as much as all that was going on, Harlem had also fallen into a place where it was dilapidated in terms of what, you know, the the infrastructure of it. You know what I mean? They weren't paying attention to Harlem and the buildings were run down and, and we had dope fiends, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they, it was, it was visible. You know what I mean? I remember uh, even when I was going to school, we would stand on the corner sometime, get off the bus and just see if one was going to topple over. That was a joke to us, you know. <laughs> we stop at the candy store on your way home from school before you depart from your friends. Let's watch, let's watch this man and see if he'll just... And, 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 and things like that, you know, we, we ran in, in our little packs and, 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 and went to the movies. And I remember, you know, um, running up, I, I, lived, um, I lived right at 110th Street, 111th Street, right there at, um, at uh, Central Park West. So we, I learned to swim in that pool. I learned to skate in that rink. You know what I mean? So they were, you know, we, it was, it was deep. It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a, an experience to see it all now come to what Harlem is now. And it, it, it makes me feel like I've turned into my mother because I find myself going, oh, I remember when so-and-so was there. Oh, and I remember that used to be such and such. <laughs> and yet right on that corner, was so you know all of this history because you saw it change before your eyes. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, in all fairness to uh, Harlem now, Harlem has become the place to be. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it has... Uh, you know, we've got all these uh, high-rise buildings coming up. Uh, we've got all of the uh, resources in coming into Harlem. We've got the outdoor restaurants and cafes, and and uh, it has become a place that uh, you know folks from downtown are moving uptown. Just right. To- well, and and that happens. I mean, you know, before Harlem was Harlem for 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 black people, it was white people. And then yeah. we took it and then they started coming back because it was where all the great music was. It was where the, you know, the literary people were coming from. It was, you know, it, it goes around like that. So now you're seeing a resurgence in that. I remember watching for a long time. I would see people coming. They were buying up these brownstones for little or nothing. And they were coming and checking on their contractors and walking around in Kenta cloth shawls <laughs> on their bicycles and <laughs> pushing color. I'm like, where are y'all coming from? And then, I, then, then Starbucks came and we knew it was done. So oh, I, yeah. I, I just think this, though, I think we've got a lot of the high rises and a lot of, you know, um, it's really glitzy and, and, and what have you. But we, we lost the venues now. We don't have the clubs. We That's do right. have some good restaurants and mm-hmm. cafes, mm-hmm. like you said. But in terms of real, true, what a nightclub is, not there. Well, the, the, the closest thing probably would be Minton's. Minton's, uh, which is still where it's always been. Yes, right. Minton's. And uh, uh, in the downstairs room, uh, Jenny's over there at the Red Rooster. Red Rooster. They have they have a nice thing. Showman's. Um, I don't know what the fate of Showman's is going to be now. But yeah. um, years ago, I used to uh, to go to Showman's. And it wasn't even where it is now. Remember, Showman's moved about three times. Yeah, yes, it has. Because it yes. used to be on the same block as the Apollo. Yes, I remember that. Yes, yes. Wow. So, when's the last time you've been to the Apollo? Uh, the last time I was at the Apollo was to see Miss Nikki Giovanni, Dr. Nikki Giovanni, and Dr. Janetta Coles were having a a, 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 a you know a seminar. 
Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about all the things they, you know, that, that are relevant um, in, in culture, in politics, in education. And I was just there to see those women who are um, mentors of mine. And uh, it was just a great, that was the last time I was there. So that had to have been last, it was, it was last year, the 19th, in 2000, 2019. You, you have to know, I injured myself. I ruptured my quadricep muscle on January 3rd of 2020. So that's when my lockdown started. I hadn't been outside except to go have my surgery, which didn't happen until the end of January. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was able to hobble on a crutch to get to a stage and sit on a stool and sing a song, it was probably Valentine's week weekend. And I was with Nat Adderley Jr. We were at Minton's. Um, I had one gig with Mickey Howard, flew to Chicago, came back, and two weeks later, they shut the whole city down. Yeah. So I've been inside all of that time. I, so I came out for Valentine's weekend, and that was all I had, and then I never came out again. <laughs> so anything you ask me about was the last time I did anything, it happened in 2019. <laughs> well, that's pretty much for all of us, because, uh, you know, the, the Apollo, uh, talking about the Apollo, has been closed because of the uh, pandemic. But they've been doing virtual, they've had mm-hmm. virtual shows, and uh, trying to uh, keep it going, and keeping the fundraising uh, going as well. So now, out of all of the uh, artists that you told me that you've worked with thus far are there any artists that you'd like to work with now we, we, oh. can, put the, we can put that buzz out there so absolutely absolutely um i would like to collaborate with uh i, li- I like the young lady her hmm. i like her and i like her what she's kind of what she's doing and just her presentation I, I'm, I'm 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 digging that um i want to do something with bruno mars um I want to do something in my jazz genre with um, Harry Connick, and I gotta get I gotta get to Tony Bennett. You know what I'm saying? Really? <laughs> really I gotta get to Tony Bennett. Um, I, I love what Layla Hathaway's been doing. I love what Lettucey's been doing. So you know what I'm saying? They're, they're, they're my little sisters, and I and I would love to be able to, to bring something to the table. Um, it's not like there's not a lot of good music out there. It's a lot of good music out there. It's just can you get it played? Can you hear it? You know what I mean? Um, and the way we consume music now is so different. Um, it's, it, it's, it's got a, a pro and con. It can come right to you because it's there at, the, at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way radio is now, you don't get the connection like you used to get. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. I could keep up with what was happening through radio because radio was playing what was happening. Now I can't even find radio a lot. You know what I mean? The connection is not always there. So that's why even having my own show, I try to keep up with what's going on so that I can keep the keep good music out there, you know? And so you, you, you'll be playing Summer Nights uh, on, on your show? I- I'll be playing Summer Nights in Harlem. <laughs> we, start, we start the show with Just Call My Name, so you know we're going to play Summer Nights in Harlem. Oh, I want to work with Gregory Porter, too. Tell him I said, hey, Gregory, wherever you are. Gregory and I are always running to each other in the airport. And last uh, two years ago, I hosted a jazz festival down in, in Mexico, and he was on the show, and mm-hmm. I got a chance to sing Happy Birthday to him. Oh, He's nice. such a sweetheart. Nice, yeah, I really nice. want to sing with him. Nice. Uh, so your show, let folks know what time and what day you're on. Oh, Tuesday nights from eight to 10 WHCR Harlem community radio. That's the voice of Harlem 90.3 FM. Uh, and that's when you find me eight to 10 on a Tuesday. Well, um, there's got to be. There's got to be a place for you on one of these TV shows where you're absolutely where you're hosting uh, a some sort of musical genre, you know, and maybe there could be something where, um, well. We'll have to figure it out for you. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We got to talk behind the scenes. I have a couple of things brewing around in this little collaboratory I call a brain. I um, And I've gotten, you know, the thing is so funny. <clears throat> now, 
Summer Nights in Harlem clearly is, uh, ba- is steeped in, in tradition of Straight Ahead, uh, the, the uh, Great American Songbook, uh, on their original songs. I call them new school standards. Mm-hmm. And um, But I have some smooth jazz coming um, mm-hmm. with Najee. So that's coming oh, really? um, at the top of the year. And I have a follow-up that I did with the producer named Chris Big Dog Davis. We've, we've covered the iconic uh, What You Won't Do for Love wow. uh, and uh, the reason I bring that up is because on November 23rd, uh, myself and Nat Adderley Jr. as my my MD, uh, mm-hmm. people would know that Adderley name as legacy. And Nat was uh, Luther Vandross's musical director, arranger, and uh, co-writing partner uh, for all for everything you've ever heard from Luther. So I'm working with him, and I have a show called Old Friend. Old friend Allison Williams sings tribute to the legendary Phyllis Hyman. So you know Phyllis um, was an incredible vocalist and a good friend of mine. And we will be uh, doing, uh, we'll be presenting a platform uh, on the uh, the National Arts Club is presenting Old Friend on their virtual platform on November twenty third at seven o'clock. You know that's amazing that you mentioned Phyllis Hyman because earlier today mm-hmm. when I was thinking of you. Phyllis Hyman came to mind, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I should ask her if she ever worked with or knew Phyllis Hyman. And I forgot to do that, and now you bring it up. Uh, she was great. Phyllis and I, we were neighbors. She lived in my building, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I just loved her. She was such a she great, was, she was, great vocalist. She was, a, she was really um, a sister to me. Um, uh, there was a play in 1994, yep, uh, no, 96, called Thank God the Beat Goes On. And it was the story of the Whispers. Mm-hmm. And they're at that point, 40 years in the industry and uh, told through the eyes of, let's say, the custodian for the Apollo. And so they told the story leading up to they were coming to be honored at the Apollo. And of course, that night, Phyllis decided she'd had enough and it was done. Uh, but they, you know, they had, yeah. they had a young set of twins in the show. and oh, but, So I played Phyllis in the show. This was one year. Almost one year to the month of her death, they called me and said, we want you to come and want you to play Phyllis. Um, so we did that for about two years. And people kept saying, we want the Phyllis, you know, when are you going to do the Phyllis show again? I said, wasn't the Phyllis show, it was the Whisper show. But it, it prompted me <laughs> to put together a one-woman show about her and her music and her journey from Pittsburgh to to her, you know, to her end. Um, this is the 25th year anniversary of her transition. So it's been was, that long. Wow. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Jackie Jeffries from Adelco, and mm-hmm. you know, telling us that we need to, you know, I need to put that back up. But just before COVID, I had had a conversation with some people over at, um, uh, with uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Gregory Schnick over at um, Aaron Davis Hall, mm-hmm. and they wanted to look into some of the productions that I have coming through AWP, which is my company. Mm-hmm. And um, we were going to start with Phyllis, but then COVID came. And so she said, we got to figure out something to do. I said, well, maybe I can get with Nat and we could just do a, you know, a duet kind of right, thing, right, a right, duo, right, just he right. and piano and myself, and we'll do it in an unplugged setting. And it'll be, you know, for July, her birthday. And, you know, we can do that. Well, we ended up filming it on her birthday and we thought we would get it out during the summer. Um, and it didn't, uh, we're supposed to do something with Harlem Week, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's difficult, you know, to do things sometime um, because we're having to figure out a whole new way to do it. So anyway, exactly. we had it Allison, in mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're going to have to leave it there. We're running oh, out of time. So anyway, just everybody look for these things. <laughs> yes. And thank you so very much for taking the time to, to join us. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And I love you and thank you and have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walked a mile in his or her shoes. And... Come back next Friday, please. Bye bye. It's what's happening. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, that's 1 p.m. in New York, on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Uh, 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 uh